You're listening to Sound the Foghorn, the Minnesota Wild podcast made by fans for fans. For Kaprizov, back to Zuccarello, back to Kaprizov, he scores! Covering team news, prospect analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, advanced stats, and much more. Back to Kaprizov, he scores! And now, here are your hosts, Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki. Hello and welcome in to another episode of Sound the Foghorn, Wednesday, November 2nd at the time of this recording. The vibes are good again. Zeke and I tried to will those. You know, we had the good vibes last week with the Wild coming off a nice stretch of games. That's the case again this week. We'll get to all of those. We have Justin back with us tonight, which is great. So Brett Marshall, Zeke Boyat, and Justin Baki all back with you to talk about um, some storylines for the Minnesota Wild. Mostly good, couple bad things that we have to touch on. Um, maybe we'll get those out of the way earlier and end on the good vibes again. But uh, got to check in. Justin, we missed you last week. Sounds like you're still a little stuffy, uh, but maybe starting to get over the hump finally. Yeah, feeling a lot better. I went from basically the flu to the cold. So <laughs> um, tail end of the cold, so uh, on the way to being better. So it's uh, good. And then uh, it's good timing because both my kids' hockey season starts this coming weekend. So I say, I feel like you're just getting out of the way earlier than everyone else. So yeah, exactly. While everyone else is miserable, like you know, on, on the holidays, you'll be like, I'm I'm fine. I already had Let's that. Let's go do something, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Zeke, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, I'm doing really good. Uh, just started uh, working again this week, so for only one day, but you know that was nice. Uh, otherwise, just been hanging out, but just been enjoying, uh, as you mentioned, the Wilds' better play and. Uh, just, uh, you know, not dreading watching the game every night has been nice here for about two weeks. Yeah, getting excited to watch them again has definitely been nice. Yes. Um, <laughs> as the time of this recording, I believe the Minnesota Wild are back in a playoff spot. They're sitting third in the division now at 5-4-1, and one. Um, just a win out of first place. Um, I think Colorado behind them with a game in hand. But, you know, right back in the mix of things where we thought we would be. Turns out the sky wasn't falling after the first three games of the season. It wasn't time to fire Dean Evason and Bill Guerin. Um, and the Wild have been, you know, winning games in spite of the fact of some key injuries, which uh, we'll get into in a little bit. We'll talk more Wild here in just a minute. But uh, Justin, we kind of did our best to uh, workshop a prospect update last week by just uh, reading through the prospects Twitter page. Um, but we're glad to have you back to provide a proper update uh, for us this week. Yeah, no, I certainly appreciate you guys picking me up last week. Um, I kind of do the same thing when I go through it and just kind of touch on points. Um, Your delivery is much better than mine was, week, though. <laughs> <so>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but this past week was really well for prospects. Uh, we'll start off with the best week. Kyle Masters was our player of the week. Um, what defenseman a breakout year this has been. Oh, my God. He had yeah. six points in two games this past weekend, two goals, four assists. He had, assists. like, 13 all of last Thir- year. Yeah. Yeah, he had – he had 14, 14 points in 65 games yeah. last year. He, and he had six points, points in the last in 11 two games. games. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah, he's it's been great. Pace. Yeah. He's on pace to like five-fold his points. But I don't know if that'll end up being what happens, but it's awesome to see him add that offense to his defense. So. Yeah, and I believe uh, Cam Robinson of Elite Prospects recently, I think it was beginning of September-ish, 
um, put out his prospect pool rankings, and I believe had Masters as the Wilds' yeah. third best. Nine. Yeah, like top 10, I think the third yeah. best defenseman in the pool behind. I believe he still included Addison in that list, and then Lambos, yeah. and then he had Masters the next best, like above Ryan. O- or no, sorry, Addison wasn't in there. It was Faber um, and Lambos, and then he had Masters as the third best defenseman ahead yeah. of Ryan O'Rourke, ahead of Damon Hunt, like some of these other guys, like – and now, and now we've seen that really come to fruition with the trade to Cam Loops, is it right? Yeah, with yep. Katie he's Banker. over there with Bank here. Yeah, and he's just exploded like, I, as if the Wild needed another like legit defensive right. prospect. But man, it just puts him in a good position here to you know have pieces to move to evaluate who's going to fit where in in a couple yep. years. So great to see him really breaking out and you know being given more opportunity and right. taking advantage of it. Who uh, we'll talk yeah. about another player who's doing the same thing right now in a little bit. Yeah, we will. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about Bank here. Here now that we brought him up, he had a two point week in two games. He's been really good for Kamloops too. Both these guys are on the power play. I've seen him on the penalty kill. They're just kind of all situations. So, uh, see, great to see him get developed. He's uh, been doing really good on faceoffs too most games. So, <clears throat> who knows where he'll stay center in the future? But that's good to see him uh, winning a bunch of draws. Um, next guy, speaking of winning draws, uh, Serbak Petrovsky had a f- four assist in three games week, and he's been really good. He's almost at 59% on the season for faceoffs, so he's doing really well at the dot for um, Owen Sound of the OHL. Yeah, and continues to look like a percent. steal over and over yeah. again as he fifth, fifth round, round pick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, someone we haven't talked about a whole lot, Nate Benoit in the USHL. Uh, he'll be at North Dakota eventually. Boo. Um, but he had a good week. <laughs> Three points, two games. Uh, David Sp- Spacek in the queue, uh, another defenseman. These guys are all defensemen other than, I mean, other than Petrovsky and Bankier. These are all defensemen getting all these points. Three assists, two games. Um, Iowa Wild split with Manitoba this past weekend. Wallstead did not play, but I am reading into the moves today. Hunter Jones was sent down to the ECHL, so I'm guessing whatever was up with Wallstead is is hopefully better, and he's in the lineup starting tomorrow. We'll we'll find out tomorrow when they yeah. play Grand Rapids. So it's been been tough sledding for Iowa too, with half their yeah. team <laughs> playing for the Wild, yeah. another half of their team playing injured, some big names. Um, Nick Patan, right. who's obviously going to be a key piece for them. I believe Milne's out, and Sam Hentges, I believe, was also injured. Wallstead didn't play, so you yeah. see, so you got those four guys out, and then you've got you know Mason Shaw and you know uh, other guys like that. Um, now mm-hmm. Stephen Fogarty up with the big clubs, so been um, tough sledding there. But um, you know that's what we like about them is right. going to give some of those other guys some bigger opportunities to step up, get more ice time, play more situations. So never yeah, necessarily right. look at that as a bad thing for Iowa. No. Uh, going back, Carson Lambos had a couple point week as well. He's, I think he's at like a, just a, a little over a, or right at a point per game in the WHL. Doing have, have another good season. Um, who's Nadina? I've had two assists in two games, but that does not include today, which he ended up scoring the game winning goal for SKA on a nice, uh, basically was a scramble in front of the net, and he ended up getting a one timer scoring three games in a row. That's heating up yeah. right there, baby. That's he's, on he's fire. Well. Yep, and then speaking of heating up, Liam Ugrin uh, scored the game-winning goal in overtime for Drew Gardens of Hockey Alzavenskin League. 
That's what an second atmosphere goal. in that arena yeah. for that goal, oh too. That was it looked like a <laughs> soccer game. Yeah, There's <laughs> like fans are going crazy. There's like flags waving. They have this like sturdy camera like on ice like panning into the into the yeah. celebration looks like you're in like a like a mighty ducks movie or something it was, it was pretty <laughs> epic if you haven't seen the clip i think uh spoke z tweeted out i'm sure the prospects page yes. found it as well so yeah go check out well. that clip because it's pretty i think russo might have even quote tweeted it too so <laughs> should be out there on some timelines to go peek yeah. at it's, it's a really cool video of his game winner well he's got a two goals in the last three games uh five points in 14 games overall uh he did go a bunch of games without points and like lower minutes but he seems to be heating up so that's that's awesome to see he has to keep in mind the youngest player on that team so um the big opportunities are coming but it's awesome to see take him take advantage of uh, where he's at yeah this is an, basically an 18 year old playing in a men's league so yeah yeah mm-hmm. never easy and uh nestorenko picked up an assist this past week uh, that's that's all i have for the prospect report this yeah, week so, again another another pretty pretty good week um, yep. for the wild prospects. So love to see that. Um, it was also a pretty, pretty good week for our Minnesota wild. I believe since our last recording, they went three, one and O, um, in the four games they played. Um, mm-hmm. so we'll do our best to kind of recap those. We'll start. Um, it feels like a long time ago. Um, last Thursday, um, they came out with a four, two win, um, in Ottawa over the senators, you know, another pretty good game overall by the team. Of course, the, that top line leads the way again. Kirill Kaprizov, Freddie Goudreau, and Matt Zuccarello all tally goals in that game. Um, the fourth one in that one coming from Hartman. Um, Kaprizov, Zuccarello, or excuse me, Kaprizov, Goudreau each have some two-point games. Jewel Eriksson-Eck on the score sheet. Marc-Andre Fleury, another terrific game for him. Finishes just along two goals um, on 3.47 expected goals. So another great game for him. That'll be something we'll talk mm-hmm. about. Kalen Addison picked up another assist in that one. Um, overall, just a pretty good, pretty good effort in that one. Another game with Marco Rossi, I think, looked a little more confident. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit too. But you know, overall, a, a good game against you know a team that you know nine times out of ten you feel like you should probably beat. Yeah, I mean, they had pretty much, I think, at least for probably you know two and a half periods, kind of had their will of you know Ottawa up until you know stretch in the last few minutes where it got kind of closer to just some penalties and, and such. Not that kind of turned it, but it was. Yeah, I think it was overall probably a, one of their, uh, I don't know, maybe it's on the right, but I just felt like they kind of dominated that game for large parts of it, which is obviously really good to see for the first time. And uh, and then, like you mentioned, um, you know, Fleury made a couple, that one great save uh, in the second period, or the fir- and then the first, robbed the, can't remember who, with the glove to keep it at, you know, a tie, a one goal lead for the Wild. And then, yeah, it wasn't uh, to brink it, I think. Yeah, it, was, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't to brink because he had scored earlier in that game. But yeah, no, and then obviously it, Kaprizov had that nice, that sweet goal too. That was, uh, and, and like you said, the whole top line is good. So yeah, no, that was, was probably a couple of the more dominant periods we've seen them play uh, in that game so far this year. Yeah, it was definitely a fun game to watch. I, I'm having a hard time, honestly, with oh, I feel so long ago. these games <laughs> because it was so long ago, and I was kind of down and out. Even though I still watched it, it's still like, all right, trying to re- refresh mm-hmm. my memory, but. Uh, I mean, even though they're kind of a team that you should beat nine times out of ten, they're a team that are kind of up and coming. They got a lot of good young talent. Um, it was good to see them dominate them for a good chunk of the game and, uh, you know, come away with the win. Yeah. Um, and you hope they'll be able to carry some of that momentum over into the next game um, Saturday evening in Detroit. Um, unfortunately, this is the one game on the trip the Wild lose. 
Um, tight game overall. 2-1 final score. Mm-hmm. Expected goals in the game. Just 2.6 for the Wild. Or, yeah, 2.6 for the Wild. 2.07 for Detroit. So one of their tighter games defensively. Wild out shoot Detroit in the game 31-25. to um, But just couldn't get the better of, of the scoring opportunities. Um, the lone goal in the game comes from, again, who else but Kirill Kaprizov. Um, Matt Zuccarello, Freddie Goudreau pick up the assists. Um, pedestrian nights kind of a rest across the board. Again, like it was a pretty tight checking game. Sure. Didn't feel like there was a lot of established offense either way um, for quite a while there. Um, you know, again, though, I, I don't think it was necessarily a bad game in the wild. You look at any analytic stat in that game, the wild had the advantage. It's just, you know, the one that matters the most, which is goal scored. Um, ultimately, they come up one short. But, um, you know, I think overall, I think there was a lot of positive takeaways still from that game. Um, but my PCS model, only four players finished the game with um, negative scores, um, which is always not a terrible sign. I think one was Felino, which I think that was the game. Did he leave hurt in that one, or was it – we know we didn't find out till Sunday, I think, that he was out. Yeah. But um, potentially battling through that, that uh, injury that game too. But we'll talk about him more in a little bit as well. But, yeah, I think overall, you know, not, not too bad of a game there. Yeah, no, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I think the thing that was most frustrating to me – even though it wasn't too bad of a game, was just it, you got to give credit to the, the, the Detroit's defense in this one. Mm-hmm. They just so many sloppy passes. Like we only had eight giveaways, but it felt like more just because of how tight the defense was. And I felt we like we had a lot of shots, especially towards the end when we were trying to come back. A lot of shots into shin pads and into guys and um, just guys blocking shots. Uh, Detroit ended up with. 19 blocks in the game so yeah the wild 63 uh, shot attempts 31 of them found the way of the net so 32 shots either blocked or missed the net in that one so he said how many of those were blocks 19 19 so yeah 19 of those 32 were blocks the other what would that be 13 were missed nets right really tight yeah like like i said really tight game not many power plays for either team Mm -hmm. Uh, detroit goes one for two we go 0 for one which may end up ended up being the difference Lucas it was the kind of like Caprisa versus Lucas Raymond show but uh, yep. tough loss but uh, better bounce back once we yeah get back this one <laughs> well I mean I thought you know the one good thing is I mean it wasn't perfect but I thought uh, that Philip Gustafson looked pretty yep. decent exactly. in that game especially in the first period which is you know good to see um, you know after the kind of you know I, maybe not horrible kind of rough uh, you know first start against Colorado the week before Looked uh, just a lot more calm, made a lot of few great saves in that first period, um, and just got beat. You know, kind of a couple goals. You know, hard to really completely blame him. So I, you know, I would say that that was probably the, the po- most positive thing out of that game. But I mean, I think what Justin said was just right that, you know, when they had the em- empty net pulled, goalie pulled. Uh, you know, for the last two and a half minutes, there had the puck the whole time, and you know, you could see every time that you know you pass up the point, like you mentioned, and. You know, could see some that a lot of them did want to pull the trigger, but as much Justin, there was always a guy in red, you know, within two feet, you know, of him standing right in front. So it was really, I think they got one shot off from Ryan Hartman from yeah, that, the way on the end boards with like 20 seconds left. And yeah, that, that was, kind of felt like a microchasm almost that whole game. It just felt like every time it seems like they got in a scoring position, they maybe tended to make that one extra pass or try to be a little mm-hmm. bit too cute. Um, mm-hmm. And at times, and especially there toward the end of the game, it just ended up costing them. Um, but they do bounce back, uh, Sunday in the second of back-to-backs against Chicago Blackhawks, um, come out with an overtime win four to three led, um, by great games from Matt Boldy, Jewel Erickson, a two point game from Mason Shaw, 
who's just, you know, I think that game really ignited him. So I think we can start there. So you have Ryan Hartman earlier in that game, you know, has to respond for a hit and fight a guy um, about twice his size. Gets wasn't like really a cheap throw. The ice was kind of fell the ice. And um, I still don't know if we know if it's a shoulder or a wrist or arm, but something didn't happen right on his left arm. Leaves the game, so that allows Mason Shaw to be elevated up in the lineup. He takes advantage, gets a goal. I was, was it the tying goal in that? No, I think second uh, goal. Yeah, two to one. Yeah. yeah, so puts him up, and then um, assists on the Matt Boldy goal that tied it at three. You know, that came not long after um, the Red Wings went up three to two. So um, it was great to see Mason Shaw just come in, step up make a huge impact in that one, get his first career goal um, on a nice little tic-tac-toe play. Um, when that was, was in the fourth line with uh, Connor Dewar and Sam Steele, um, you know, again, this is a game the Wild across the board dominate 35-26 on shots, 64-45 on shot attempts, 17-5 to on uh, high-danger opportunities, just 1.74 goals against, or expected goals against in this one. So easily, I think, their best um, defensive effort of the season, despite allowing the three goals in that one. Um, you know, really the only one, you know, that was really, like, real, it was the uh, the goal by um, Andreas Antonisiu when he completely undressed Matt Dumba, who, who was one swing away from a strikeout, um, trying to take that puck off his stick. But... <laughs> You know, I think it was a game the Wild felt like they deserved to win. You know, the analytics show, I think the eye test show, they dominated that whole game. Um, and you get, you know, we talked about, you know, earlier that, you know, a guy like Kyle Masters is in an elevated role in Kamloops. He's taking advantage of that. Mason Shaw gets a chance. Some guys get hurt. He gets elevated up in the lineup, and he responds with a, uh, a two-point game. So it's just awesome to see, you know, some different faces step up and delivering. And, of course, Matt Boley, as he always is, clutch, um, finds two in this one as well. Yeah, no. Oh, go ahead, Jess. I'd say it's certainly great to see the young guys kind of take the reins in some of these games and and see the depth that we have, not just at the big club, but down in Iowa. You, you call these guys up and they just perform, mm-hmm. and it, you, you just love to see Mason Shaw, you know, get his first NHL goal and, and all that. Just the guy that's worked so hard. I think we'll talk about a little bit later on the show, but you just – can't be but happy for him <clears throat> another thing that i thought was pretty awesome <laughs> was in the shootout i don't know if we're moving this far ahead but how flurry was chirping kane and taze every time he mm-hmm. made a save on them yeah. yep <laughs> and then uh kaprizov had that sweet goal just that back yeah just backhand yeah. between the legs just yeah amazing. didn't go to his then, signature glove chip move because you know zuccarello no. tried that before it didn't work so kaprizov right. goes five hole and then, of course, Dean gets, I think it was career win number 100 um, on a Freddie Goudreau game-winning yeah. shootout goal because, of course. So I thought yeah, maybe we'd yeah. see Marco Rossi. I think Russo had a tweet um, earlier in the year the Wild did a, a shootout competition in practice, uh-huh. and Rossi won that competition. So I was like, ah, I'll oh, just wow. throw Rossi in there. But throws in Freddie. Freddie delivers. So can't be too mad about that. Yeah, another thing that's unrelated to the win that kind of popped in my head was uh, – it was kind of goalie against former team for both teams. They had Staylock going, and we had Flurry going. So it was kind of like, almost like they each probably wanted to really beat their yeah. former team. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think you saw, especially when Flurry, you know, stones to Brinkett, or yeah. I think you saw that too. Even like you know, in the Ottawa game when Flurry made the save on to Brinkett. Um, you know, that was his former teammate in Chicago too. So that one probably feels yeah. good. And like you said, you know, tripping a little bit when he stops Kane and Taze in overtime, and um. You know, we talked about, you know, I know some of their moves, and he knew Taze was going to go five-hole yeah. and still almost got beat there. But 
know, made the saves, came up big when they needed them again, which has you know been a trend with him lately. And um, you know, I thought overall, maybe not Flurry's strongest game in the last whatever four or five, but you know, I think was rewarded. You know, when he stood on his head and and kept the Wild in games, the offense, you know, came back and every time they got scored on tonight, it felt like they came back right away, tied it up, picked up their goaltender, and rewarded him in the end, um, both sides, um, by finding a way to win that in the shootout. Yeah, no, I think, well, I mean, I think this game was just, uh, you know, I think it was simply like everyone was talking about just, you know, last game of the road trip, everyone seemed a little bit tired and just not, you know, moving maybe as well, not for lack of trying or, or anything like that, but just, uh, you know, just, just seemed a little bit tired, just obviously, like, like I mentioned, at the end of the trip, and it was kind of a, to me at least, kind of a slog of a game, you know, where it just it seemed not a lot of, no, crisp passing, all that, et cetera, but like you mentioned, they, you know, you'll take a win anytime. And, you know, even though obviously, you know, Chicago's not good, they've been decent through, you know, the season. And anytime you can, uh, you know, get a win on the road, you'll take it regardless of, you know, how pretty or not it is. So it's it good to get two points. Yeah. So they, they come out of that road trip, I believe it would have been three and two, mm-hmm. if that sounds right. Losses to Boston, Detroit. Um, or to be three one and one because Boston up being in overtime, so pretty good five game road trip. Um, they yeah. come back home last night against the Montreal Canadiens, get a really complete effort in this one. Um, come out with a four to one win. Um, you know, if you look at the stat sheet, Montreal put a little bit of pressure on late. I think when the Wild kind of got into you know a defend the lead mode, maybe let off the gas a little bit, just try not to make mistakes. Um, in this one again, Wild pretty dominant. Not on the s- shots. Montreal ends up 35-31 on shots, um, where you, that gets different. Montreal just five high danger chances. The Wild had 20, um, 62 shot attempts for the shot attempts for the Wild, 53 for Montreal. Um, and then with the empty net, it'll affect this a little bit. But 5.25 expected goals for the Wild, 2.14 for Montreal. So again, pretty much dominant in every area of the ice. We saw, you know, again. A great game from Matt Boldy, Jewel Erickson, Mason Shaw, like back-to-back games. Like that line looks legit. The BJ's line is real, folks. Like BJS, BJ's. That's, you know, I don't know if that's going to stick yet, but uh, we'll see. Um, that line's great. Kirill Kaprizov scores twice in this one. I thought, despite only having one goal in the game, I thought the power play last night looked terrific. I mean, it felt like they maybe could have had three or four more goals. They had some that, you know, I think they had one off the post from Boldy. They had a couple on the doorstep from Eck where um, Allen made some really nice saves. It just felt like that line, they were moving the puck really well. Um, and really at key times, too, when the Wild were drawing these drawing these penalties um, and taking advantage. And, you know, even if they weren't scoring, it just felt like they would shift that momentum back in their favor. Um, so Steven Fogarty gets the call on this one, you know, nothing to write home about in that game. Thought he looked serviceable. Um, but I think the biggest thing we were all most excited for on Minnesota wild Twitter last night, our sweet Prince Marco Rossi finally gets the monkey off his back. Um, with probably one of like the cooler first assists you'll ever have in your life. Um, gets a two on one with Kirill Kaprizov. Kaprizov tries to sauce from a pass, hits the defender, pops up in the air. Rossi hits it perfectly at shoulder level. Um, knocks it out of the air right back to Kaprizov, who I think was like trying to like not hammer it in and trying to get because I think Rossi's stick was right there where I think Rossi also could have put it in. Um, I think in real time it looked like Rossi scored, especially the way Kaprizov reacted. Um, but ultimately they review it. Um, Rossi thinks he high sticked it, but they they uphold the call on the ice. There's a goal. Rossi gets his first assist. 
um, and then you know follows it up later in the game by just annihilating Jiraj Slavkovsky um, <laughs> with a perfectly beautiful clean hit um, with about you know just under I think four minutes left in the game. So um, and he, you know there was a couple like the shift right after he he had the assist and he had a really good scoring chance. Like it just seemed like and maybe that spark kind of ignited under him. So. Um, it was great to see again. You know, Matt Boldy was great. Jewel Eriksonette continued to look great. Two assists in the game. Mason Shaw picked up another goal. Rossi got that first assist. So, I mean, Justin, you talk with these young guys stepping up. Like, we're talking about Matt Boldy and Mason Shaw and Kirill Kaprizov and Kalen Addison. Like, these young guys really stepping up and leading the way, especially in the absence now of four injuries and veterans in Jordan Greenway, Marcus Foligno, Ryan Hartman. Um, and then Brandon Duhame leaves this game as well with it with some sort of upper body injury. So, it's been great to see these young guys really step up and take advantage of these opportunities. Yeah, no, I mean, I think we, uh, I think, you know, me and Brett, you, me and you, Brett, we talked last week, you know, we kind of wanted to, you know, Mason Shaw to actually get a legitimate chance to just being put on the fourth yeah. line there to fill the spot. And, <clears throat> Dean Evison confirmed yeah. listener to yes. sound the Foghorn. Yeah, he, oh, he definitely did. It. I was gonna... like, maybe they should scratch Joe for Shaw. And Dean's like, you know what? That's a maybe pretty good will. idea. Yeah. Maybe I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. And they're not gonna. He's probably not. Uh, they might have to name a new captain down in Iowa because it doesn't seem like he's gonna be back down there anytime soon. At least, hopefully, if he uh, continues like this. But uh, I mean, if he plays the way he's playing, like, I don't. He. Mm-hmm. I don't think he'll uh, be going down I thirty five for a long time. No, I don't think so. But yeah, no, that was that was probably you know one of the highlights. Obviously, last night just. Uh, and you mentioned that scrum with Rossi, him coming to his defense, you know, going, you know, hard after. I mean, he, you forget he, that he's not a very big guy. Yeah, he's either. like 5'10", like I think. And he won that fight. Like, yeah. Yeah. Mason well, Shaw won that fight. That. I think I think he had some adrenaline pumping through him. Really cool story oh, yeah. um, from Joe Smith, the new, athletic, yes. the new writer at The Athletic. If you haven't read that yet, just on kind of the um, – a little, it was a kind of a hybrid gamer, you know, your typical like Russo gamer story and then a nice little spin mm-hmm. with Mason Shaw, his dad, kind of the journey Shaw took with, if you didn't know this, um, Mason Shaw has torn his ACL three times um, <laughs> and has battled his way all the way back to, to making the NHL and now has, you know, two goals in, in two games. And it was a really cool story just about him and his relationship with his dad. So, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, this was one of the games that felt like uh, – maybe one of the best games we played all season. And I know you already kind of touched on all this, but that power play one unit was just buzzing all night long. That is maybe the best I've ever seen the power play look. I thought we were going to score every time they're out there, even though they went one for four. Like you said, they could have had a goal on probably every single one of those power plays. Um, yeah, I think they account. I think it was like yeah, 1.89 I mean, expected goals. Within again, the young guys. Uh, I absolutely love Mason Shaw. I know we're going to touch on him, and I want to talk about him so much. Um, just everything he does, just laying bodies. Uh, he's, he'll do whatever you ask of him. And standing up for uh, Rossi, like you said, when all of our other guys that probably would have done it are out of the lineup. So mm-hmm. um, definitely it was a fun game to watch last night. And, uh, you know, Something to continue to build off to play playing Seattle tomorrow night. So, Zeke, any other big takeaways uh, from last night's game? Uh, not, you know, not, uh, you know, not, not really too much. That, uh, that uh, I think, let's think we should, a lot of it is uh, tied into what we'll get to in a second. So, yeah, no, just, just the, you know, good win. Um, you know, obviously, first period, you know, a little rough coming home, just a little uneven, but you know, then obviously, a while after that, you know, just took it to him and kind of. 
care about the rest of the way. So it, it was a good start to, you know, get back home and, and, and plan uh, like they did last night. Absolutely. Um, well, let's dive in maybe a little bit more to that power play. Um, just kind of beyond last night, because I think, you know, it got brought up today is um, someone asked me on Twitter, like, well, what if the Wilds power play wasn't good? Like, how would that affect him this year? And I said, I think that question's irrelevant because the fact of the matter is the power play has been really good. Um, mm-hmm. And it has, and it's not like it's been lucky, right? Like, and the stats really back that up. So through the first 10 games, the Wild have a 27.8% power play. That's the fourth best in the league. They've got 10 goals on, I think it's 32, no, 30. Yeah, I think it's 32 opportunities, something like that, I think is where the mm-hmm. math comes out. Um, yeah. They have 122 shot attempts. That's seventh best. Um, 68 shots on goal. That's the fourth best. 9.51. Um, expected goals, sixth best. I believe if you do expected goals per 60 minutes, so that kind of evens the playing field for ice time, um, that jumps up to the third best expected goals right on the power play in the league. Um, 72 scoring chances, that's sixth best. 28 high danger chances, that's eighth best. Like top 10, borderline top five in pretty much any measurable stat category across the board. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's been such a great thing to see. I mean, we, we've had optimism for this power play for the last two years now, you know, as evidenced by, you know, Justin's bold predictions <laughs> and, you know, to see it finally kind of coming together. And I don't know if it's Matt Boldy, if it's Keelan Addison, if it's just these guys just building confidence or what it's been, but it's just been the creativity has been off the charts and, and it's been great to see that power play have success because it really does feel like every time the wild on the power play, like th- they're going to score. Like you said, Justin, like it, it just feels like you get a power play, like, all right, here we go. Here's our chance to yeah. like extend mm-hmm. this lead, tie this game, get it, sure. get the lead in the game or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think the biggest thing with all these guys is they're all guys that are really good at passing. They're good at, creating space a couple of them like boldy caprice up they're so good at creating space Zuccarello too uh their passing is just so crisp and they're just always moving the puck moving the bodies uh, you'll see you know Eck. he's maybe the hardest worker on the team uh, you, you know he'll be up front uh, or behind the net if he has to fight for the puck back it just seems like they're making the other team move so much and get discombobulated and they're getting all these awesome shots and chances it's just awesome and fun to watch it's i mean the power play two is a lot different but we're talking about power play one um power play one is just so good they're not even giving power play two chances yeah no they're out there for like the whole two minutes almost every power play because we're just (laughs) you got possession the whole time it's it's awesome to watch and i mean to speak to you you mentioned the puck movement and just the speed i think that's the difference between you know previous years where i think sometimes you know people you know, you'll see you getting still sometimes, you know, the rare ones that they don't score seemingly that, you know, hey, you know, too much passing, why is anybody shooting the puck? And I think differences, like you mentioned, Justin, is just that it's much more fast. You know, they're actually moving. Like, I think the prime example is obviously is Kaprizov, how he switches in and out with guys, you know, on spots and is not just, you know, sitting on the left circle waiting for the one timer or just sitting in the middle of the ice there, like yeah, you mentioned, he- just. Yeah, because you, you create that chaos, and, you know, like, mm-hmm. for example, like the Washington Capitals power play, like, you know what they're going to try to do. They're going to try yeah. to get Ovi in the left circle. They're going to try to defend that. But, Zeke, like you said, if they're moving around, if all of a sudden Kaprizov, you know, goes from the from the wall to the bumper, now they're going, oh, shit, we got to cover Kaprizov. But then also, like, Matt Zuccarello, I think, leads this team yeah. right now in power play goals. Jules Eriksson-Eck will bang home any rebound that comes out front. Matt Boley's got a great shot. He's got great vision. Like they have all these different ways they can score. Like they're not relying. I think we've talked about this in a previous show. Is just they're not relying on one set play to score their goals. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, even just a couple of years ago, their power play would have been, you know, Parisi out front, kind of right at the top of the crease, Ryan Suter, you know, doing, you know, everyone's favorite wrister from the point. And yep. then Matt Dumba sat over there looking for the one-timer, kind of in the Ovechkin spot that you mentioned, Brett. And it just, you know, it, it just really, it just never worked. Just, I mean, obviously there's just a clear difference skill is probably the biggest difference, like everyone knows. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not very, uh, it's, it's not very complicated. I think it's stuff that even those guys could have improved on if, you know, if they just said really, put their mind to it because it, it's simply moving. I mean, you see all the best teams in the league, mm-hmm. as we said, they, you're not just slugging around waiting for the perfect play. You're uh, moving around and that play will come to you. So yeah, no, it, it's great to, you know, because uh, we saw last year in St. against in the playoffs against St. Louis when, you know, just wild, never scoring goal when they needed. And I mean, even if they go, you know, it's just that one goal can be the difference there sometimes yep. in games. You just never know. So it's huge. Yeah. yeah and I just- do want, no, go ahead, Justin. No, I, was, I do want to talk, <laughs> talk about Kalen Addison, too, power, uh, quarterback, quarterbacking that power play. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Um, it, he's been so good. I, I feel like he's just so good at moving the puck, and I feel like as soon as I feel like he's getting in a little bit of trouble, he's actually creating space for another guy and getting him more open and getting him the puck. It's, yeah, I, it's I think the big game. thing that's made him so good is, and I think it's kind of this maturity that we've seen from last year. And I'm not saying Spurgeon or Suda or whoever else's quarterback was power play in the past hasn't done this, but when he does get in trouble, he doesn't make the dumb play, right? He makes the simple mm-hmm. pass. You know, he'll, if he's, you know, doesn't look to overextend that, you know, try to thread the needle, hit the open guy, reset a little bit if you have to. And like, it's such a little thing, but it goes a long way to keeping that momentum on the power play going. Mm. Yeah, it's just been, it's so good to see. And um, I think Kalen Addison has solidified his spot on the blue line. We know we came into the year like, all right, you know, is he going to be, you know, are they going to put him in, take him out? And, uh, yeah, the way this power play's going, he's uh, he'll be every night, and we've seen you know that power play success be rewarded now to an elevated role on the I guess you'd probably call it the second pair right now with Jonas Brodine, yeah. and I think mm-hmm. you know they've looked better and better to me every game. I think they're starting to kind of learn each other's game a little bit more. You know, they're both their ability to skate, be mobile, move the puck up the ice has really become valuable for the Wild. Um, at five on five too, and something I'll challenge people to watch is something I've noticed is if you ever feel like the Wild are dominating a game. Um, or not dominating a game. It really, to me, it comes down to one thing, is watch how they're getting out of the offensive zone. Um, yeah. If they're winning a game, they're controlling the puck out of the zone, they're they're looking for that breakout pass, um, and when they're not, they're chipping pucks, and they're trying to chip and change. And I think, obviously, that it's, you know, it's not... Ideally, you want to skate the puck out every time, but the games are being successful is when they're trying to find those breakout passes, being a little bit smarter. So keep an eye on that, because it's definitely something I've been watching. Um, it's kind of seemed like a trend, so... Um, moving on, I think the other really bright spot we have talked about, we talked about Mason Shaw, talked about Addison, the power play, is Marc-Andre Fleury. Um, named the third star of the week last week, 3-0-0, um, 1-1 since then in his last two games, I believe. No, 2-0 again, I think. He's like 5-0-1 yeah, his last Yeah, 5-0-1 hasn't, you know, his only loss was the one in Boston where he was really good late um, in that one, kept him in that game. So, I mean, he's been absolutely fantastic. Like, I think after that first two, or those first four periods, his – that goal save I've expected at that time was something like almost negative 10. And I think he's brought that. I don't know the exact number right now. Uh, I'll pull it up on evolving hockey here. I think that number has like been dialed back almost now all the way um, to zero. Like meaning in the last, whatever, five, six games, 
he's top 10 more goals than expected. Like just to put that in perspective, like his turnaround has been so great. I think you, I mean, Justin, you talked about, you know, just, just his, you know, kind of seemingly having that swagger back, like taunting, you know, the Blackhawks players and stuff, stuff that just felt missing in those first couple games. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, uh, just, or I think maybe part of this too, maybe, you know, due to the fact that maybe the team is, you know, getting used to, you know, playing his mm-hmm. style. I mean, obviously we know he, he makes, he's been making the first save a lot, you know, still obviously occasionally there'll be rebounds and whatnot, but I think part of it is definitely that the team has overall gotten better defensively and too is just kind of get gotten used to more how he plays and his style and personality. But I mean, obviously, yeah, he's been great. I mean, you know, and he's been making the clutch saves to the one in Ottawa that I mentioned. And then last night against Montreal when they, uh, have scored a nice play with about six minutes left to make it 3-1. You know, uh, Brendan Gallagher, you know, kind of just found his way behind Matt Dumba and John Merrill wide open for a breakaway, and he made a huge stop there to keep it a 2 0 game. And I think that's the other thing is just the big clutch saves like that, uh, you know, when the team needs them and, and, you know, just kind of shutting the door on the other guys. But I think, Brett, what you mentioned with just the, you know, not necessarily the cockiness, but, you know, his – him obviously having fun that's his personality everyone right. like I, th- I know when he played with vegas i would criticize him all the time for those windmill glove saves and, yeah. you know <laughs> then he pulls it on to brink and like all right yeah i guess that's kind of cool and it's your goalie but <laughs> yeah, it. yeah that's when he's well, like you said that's when you know he's uh feeling good yeah is when he's that because that's him that's himself so. yeah and i think the other great thing too is i think you know especially in those first couple games and i think even a little bit um, in that Boston game too, it felt like kind of when that first goal went in, he, he seemed you know a little bit rattled, a little bit like oh shit, here we go again. And yeah. I just haven't felt that with him now. It's like you know, I, for example, that auto game there night, like Alex to Brinkett, you know, it's just kind of this weird broken play. The puck pops it to Brinkett, he shoots it and it goes over his glove, and he kind of go ah shoot. But then he's dialed in after that, right? Like makes all the big saves again in that one. I think he finished that game like ten out of ten on high danger shots. Um, like it, it just, he, he just doesn't seem to like the mindset. He, he's getting rid of the bad juju quickly, um, which it didn't feel like that maybe happened through those first three games. And it's been great to see him come back. And I think, you know, the defense, we're seeing starting to play more confident in front of him. Zeke, as you yes. mentioned, you know, learning that style, figuring that out. Um, and then the team too, you know, just helping him out with some timely goals as well. And, you know, for example, that, you know, uh, the Chicago game when Chicago would go up, Matt Boldy twice within like 30 seconds, even up the score again. Yeah. I think that helps your goalie a big time too. And going, all right, here we go. They got one back for me. Now I got to do my job and, you know, try to keep this thing tied so we can get the lead. Yeah. Not only that, I don't have much to add, but uh, he's just so good on like breakaways and shootouts. I think he's like the best goaltender in history is save percentage wise and shootouts. And you could see it with, you know, Chicago Taze Kane. They might not be the Taze and Kane of the past, but Kane is still really good and still has those moves and yeah. you know just it's awesome to see him just stonewall him and just look so good out there. And yeah, winning his goalie you know, in shootout history now, I believe, passing yeah. Henrik Lundqvist. Sounds right. Yeah, and I think uh, you know I think eventually, you know, obviously he's playing a lot right now because he's hot. So why would you, uh, you know, I because I saw some you know comments going, well, shouldn't they get the backup in there? But I think right now he's just been so good that there's no reason to take him out of the net and. You know, got plenty of time to figure that out, but yeah, and I think uh, in, in this situation too, when you have so many injuries, like this is yeah. maybe when you need to play Fleury a little bit more because mm-hmm. you need something no, to stabilize true. those injuries. And sometimes you can win a game through goaltending. And he's—I don't know if there's a game I can point to, like, yeah, we only won this game because of Fleury, but yeah. um, he's definitely been some huge, played a huge factor in a couple of those. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
Definitely, absolutely. All right, well, kind of moving down um, our list here, you know, um, I guess we'll kind of finish up, you know, I guess more or less on this more sour note, but um, are the injuries. They are piling up for the Wild. Um, as we know, Jordan Greenway played like three shifts, gets re-injured, so he's out right now. Um, then we learn Marcus Foligno's got an upper body injury. He's out. Ryan Hartman gets injured in a fight. He's out. Sounds like that could be more potentially long-term. I think he might have gone on IR today. Um which I forget what that means in the NHL, but it means he'll be out for a little while. Um, and then, of course, Brandon Duhame, as we learned the other night, too, out with upper body injury. So four guys out now. And I think the big thing is, I mean, you look at the combined hit totals this year, you know, in any given season from the Wild, I think four of the top five are likely going to be Duheim, Greenway, Hartman, and Felino, right? Like, those are your guys that bring the physicality that, you know, can set the tone. I mean, you've got two-thirds of your grief line there. Um, you have an energy, you know, aggravator in Hartman. You have Brandon Duhame, who, man, it sucks that he got hurt because he was, you know, another one of those guys that was stepping up in an elevated role and really playing well. And to see him go down and get hurt, I mean, that was just sucky. Um, still don't really know what happened. I don't even know if I really saw a replay of that injury. Yeah. So hoping the best mm-hmm. for him. Um, as we mentioned, Hartman potentially on IR. Um, it sounds like they're optimistic. Greenway could be back sooner than later. I don't really know on Felino and Duhame if, if there's really a timeline right now for those two. Doesn't sound like any of them are projected to play the next two games, I believe. So um, definitely some worth watching. And, you know, hopefully one or two of those guys jumps on the road trip next week out to California. But some have to wait and see. But, you know, it has led to elevated opportunities for, you know, guys like Mason Shaw have taken advantage. Um, and, you, you know, you would hope this is a time too when, you know, a guy like Marco Rossi, you know, maybe steps in and, and really steps up as well and can maybe prove, you know, his way up the lineup into some more ice time as well. Yeah, if there's one good thing about this, you're kind of finding out what you have depth-wise, not just here, but in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if we have any call-ups or whatnot, or if they go like like Russo mentioned, uh, eleven forwards, seven I think defense. They said for sure the Seattle like game, they're doing eleven-seven. Yeah. We'll see if that follows suit into the road trip or right. not. Uh, but I mean, if someone else gets the call-up, it's kind of next man up, and we'll we'll just see what what depth continues to come up from down there. I mean. We got a lot of good coming. They might, might be getting a little bit thin down there because of uh, all of our injuries and stuff. But I think, uh, you know, yeah, I think we, they were mentioning. I think it was either Sammy Walker, Adam Beckman would be yep, probably the yeah. next guy up if they yeah. ever do need a guy. So. That's uh, yeah. Sammy Walker's having a really good season down there, and then you know, mm-hmm. Beckman always seems to be kind of on the borderline of getting the call up. So could you imagine telling this podcast two years ago that there was the potential to have a game in twenty twenty two? That had Kalen Addison, Kirill Kaprizov, Marco Rossi, Matt Bully, Adam Beckman, all in yeah. the same game potentially together. Like I think we would have lost our collective yeah. minds at that, Who at knows. that thought. I think our heads oh. would have exploded a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, on the injuries overall, though, it's just, you know, I I know I've said this on Twitter, on you know, especially in the Hartman one, it's just it's just frustrating to me. I get that's how hockey players are, and you know, you stand up for your teammate, and that's fine. I just think it is, you know, incredibly, it's just. It's just frustrating because, you know, there was no reason, you know, for that to happen. Obviously, I'm not I'm not going to harp on him too much. It's just bad luck. You know, it happens all the time, whatever. But it is just frustrating to, you know, to see that this stupid idea of the code, as we all know in hockey, that, you know, will take a lot of its players out of the game. And especially for Hartman, Brett, who you kind of mentioned this on Twitter and on here a few times, is actually, you know, maybe wasn't as bad or was starting to kind of get his mojo back a little bit and, and start to play really well just to, you know, to get knocked out, uh, you know, right now is, you know, is, is just pretty unlucky and, and unfortunate for him and the team. 
um you know obviously not a step but uh, you know because i it, it's just you know it's just bad luck i think at this point uh you know, a lot of guys hurt. Obviously, Greenway gets hurt first, second shift back. Yeah, and now all these other guys have followed. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's just bad luck, pretty yeah. much. And I think, thankfully for the Wild, like I think they're in a softer portion of the schedule here. You know, getting yeah. to play some teams like Montreal, Detroit, Ottawa, Seattle, um, those types of teams. But I think you know, ultimately to you know be in that softer part, have four key injuries, and they'll still be able to come on top in those games. Is mm-hmm. going to be huge, and you know they've needed some guys to step up, and so far we've seen Mason Shaw step up. You know we saw Brandon Duhem step up there before he got injured. You know in the place of a, a Marcus Fleno or Ryan Hartman. Um, you know so you know, now it's you know who's it going to be next? Yeah. You know we saw you know maybe some flash from Marco Rossi there late in the last game, and you know hopefully that can continue here as they you know finish out this brief you know return home against Seattle tomorrow, and then um, out to California for this upcoming road trip. Yeah. yeah, another thing I want to bring up is this might be a good time timing for injuries too. Uh, get some of these guys healed because we play Seattle tomorrow and then yeah, we have four days off. So basically, yep. they miss one game and have a week off, kind of missing that game. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, that kind of helps us get them back sooner and later for games, depending on you know how how long each of these guys are out. Yeah, and they have been managing to win also mm-hmm. even these last obviously two weeks. So you know, and, and you know, which would have been even more of a disaster if they're kind of played if they'd been kind of uneven and you go 500 and you're sitting you know a few games under now but obviously that hasn't been the case and you know just uh, and obviously we know this team now they have the firepower up front etc to even if they aren't that on depth and, and some of the other guys don't necessarily work uh, that you know they should at the very least be able to you know keep afloat at their position if not you know win a bunch of games so it's you know as long as you know no offense to those guys as long as it's not one of their one of the top scorers or the top two defense on this team, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. So looking ahead here to these next three games. So um, tomorrow night, the wild wrap up this little two game homestand against the Seattle Kraken, who, if I recall correctly, I do believe have the worst team save percentage in the NHL right now. Something that's carried over from last year with Philip Grubauer. And I forget who their backup is. Martin Jones, Martin Jones, which is not, not surprising there. Um, I think a name that was slow out someone the Wild should trade for. Thank God. Uh, we decided to stick it out and see it through, you know, don't nope. overreact to three games. Um, but yeah, so Seattle has been struggling in between the pipes. Um, this is a wild team that feels like, you know, I think the power play, I think is something I'm really looking at tomorrow night. If they can get a couple, you know, power plays and maybe pump one, two, three pucks past on the netminder, I think that's going to be a huge key in that one. Seattle, I think one of the deeper groups up front in terms of, you know, the depth of their four lines maybe lacking that real high-end talent, but I think, sim- you know, similarly built to the Wild where, you know, when they're healthy to where they, you know, they can kind of roll four lines against you. But um, I think if they carry a lot of these things over from the past three games against Detroit, Chicago, Montreal, very winnable game for them. Yeah, and uh, Seattle did, uh, I think this year they beat Colorado on the road about a week ago and they won in Calgary 6-5 to five last night. So they have at least, you know, it seems like they're maybe a little bit more, I guess maybe relevant or entertaining this year. There seems to be a little bit more life on the team, and you know, guys like obviously Matty Beniers has been really good, uh, et cetera. So you know, that's that's obviously the thing to watch. But yeah, no, I mean, we saw them um, when they came here last year. It was a six-two win. Uh, I don't know whoever's in goal. You know, if it's Grubauer, especially, it, it just you know, he, he they just don't seem like he said, but they don't seem to have it. So yeah, no, if they just said if they just play a. Uh, you know, like they have these last few games, it shouldn't be 
too uh, you know hard of a game to come out with two points, especially at home. Yeah. Uh, Justin, anything to add there in the Seattle game? Yeah, no, not much to add. Uh, I mean, they're a team we should be able to beat. Yeah, they have some depth, but uh, you know, even with our injuries, I think you guys already said it, we should be able to beat Seattle uh, as long as we play our game. And then next week, you got to break out the, the cup of coffee, the energy drink at 6 p.m. to get you through these ones. Um, oh, 9.30 on Tuesday against L.A., 9 oh. o'clock on Wednesday in Anaheim, and then uh, hopefully a podcast for us Thursday night um, before the Wild then finish out that three-game road trip um, with a trip to Seattle again um, on next Friday. So, um, you know, we know how last year with L.A. went, just a total freaking fire sale of goals. I think 7-6 to yeah. six was the final in that one. Um, 13 goals in that one just you know i think that was like the 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 panic button for the goaltending i think really came out in that one um anaheim who i believe is struggling quite a bit right now yeah they're on like a seven game losing streak before they beat uh toronto or whatever the other day yeah three six and one on the year um i think it's trending toward i think there's Rumors of John Gibson being traded. He's two five and one the four two three goals against eight eighty eight save percentage. Stolarz, their backup, not faring a whole lot better. Three ninety six eight nine zero save percentage um, at one and one. So, you know, another team struggling goaltending. You know, L A has been you know kind of been known for been playing this fire wagon hockey. So I think this is again two games where I think if the Wild just continue to do the things they've been doing, keeping it tighter defensively cashing in with maybe those top two lines, making your bottom two just not getting scored on, and then, you know, winning that special teams battle. I mean, which, you know, I think for most teams that's the recipe for success, but I think we've seen the Wild get back to that secret sauce, and I think that's going to be the key heading out west as well. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, obviously the last couple of years, uh, especially in the shortened season 2021 when they're in the same division, they've played these teams pretty well recently. I mean, obviously L.A. is a little – but is the tougher opponent, uh, you know, they've, uh, you know, obviously made the playoffs last year, but they're another team who's had kind of, uh, you know, issues with in, in goal with quick and Peterson. So maybe they can expose them there, but uh, yeah, no, it, uh, uh, you know, it's, it, it's never, it's, it is never easy uh, to go on that trip out to California though. So uh, they'll, uh, they'll have to be ready to play for sure. Yeah. I think it'll be a fun week, you know, getting to see those specific teams. You know, we've been in the East for a while, it feels like. Haven't really had a ton of battles with the West. Colorado, um, L.A. They played anybody else from the West outside of those two teams? Open the year against the Rangers. Uh, played Vancouver. And Vancouver. So, yeah, it's like not a lot of, like, Western Conference teams. So, um, we got Miko jumping into the show here a little late. Um but yeah. yeah, you know, it's another a good week I'm looking forward to. I think this team has seemingly maybe turned the corner from that rough start. So um, mm-hmm. now five, one and one, I think, in their last seven. So seemingly yeah. on the right path. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, that more or less kind of covers our topics for the week. Um, again, mostly positive. We'll, we'll keep an eye on those injuries and, you know, hope some of those guys will be back sooner rather than later. But, you know, in the interim, we're looking for some guys to step up, see who can deliver and, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, be effective players and, you know, continue to hopefully see the stars, your Boldies, your Erickson X, your Kaprizov, your Zuccarellos continue to deliver as well. So, uh, Justin, any uh, final thoughts from you here before we uh, call it a week here? Uh, no, I mean, uh, we have a few winnable games coming up and uh, let's just uh, hopefully continue to ride this hot streak that we're going on. And do uh, you think they're going to win tomorrow, Miko? Yeah, you want to say go wild? Go wild. Heck yeah, love it. Zeke, final thoughts from you. 
Yeah, not much more. I think I just want to, uh, you know, give a shout out to obviously to former wealth goalie Devin Dubnik, who officially announced his retirement this week. Um, you know, obviously, you know, the last year or two were kind of rough, you know, as he kind of aged and worn down. But, you know, obviously no one will ever forget that 2015 season. when he literally saved uh, saved their season and saved, you know, Mike Yo, Chuck Clucker's job and really provided some stability and goal for the Wild for the next three, four years. You know, where there was a stretch where he was very good uh, and, and did a lot for this team. So just, uh, yeah. you want to give a shout out to him. And, uh, also you know, he's an overall wish... good dude. Yeah, no. Good seems... dude, Dubnik. Uh, check out his podcast that he did. Uh, he was with, you know, with Ryan Carter on the Wild and Summit podcast. That was a good interview. So if you haven't seen that, check it out. But yeah, I think just... uh, the Buttes may have had him on as well. Yeah, like a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, yeah, so tons, of, tons of Dubnik content out there. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. really have. I don't really have any other final thoughts from what we talked about. Um, I'm excited to see, you know, I'm really excited to see how Rossi and Shaw kind of continue to build on on the yeah. success and just to see what these young guys can do. Um, love when I'm seeing a map only. I think um, some we didn't talk about much at the Lions, but I think him and Erickson Eck have looked really good together. And that's yes. exciting because I think, like, in my head, like, looking out into the future, right, you know, three, four years down the road, Eck under contract for a long time, we know Bully's mm-hmm. going to be getting a monster extension um, and figuring out, hey, could these two work together? And, you know, you got maybe you got to figure it out that, that third winger, but, you know, Shaw's fit there well. So I'm excited to see what, you know, some of these, you know, little miniature storylines and how those continue to progress or not over these last few games. For sure. um, but that should about do it for us. So, Justin, why don't you remind everyone where they can find you and all of your work? You can find me at the East 2004. You can find me at CapriceFC with CapriceF Countdown. And you can find me at MNW Prospects with MNW Young Guns. Zeke. Yeah, no, as usual, you can uh, find me on Twitter at Zeke Boyat, uh, capital Z, capital B, uh, you know, for obviously for all my thoughts, wild hockey. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me there. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at B underscore Marsh 92. Be sure you are following the podcast account as well, both on Twitter and Instagram, at SoundTheFogcorn, all one word. We got player cards up every night, doing my best to get those out, sometimes a little delayed. Apologies for that. Life happens. Um, if analytics jumbo is is uh, not making sense to you, there's some links in my profile, too, to check that out. Get up to date on analytics so you can understand what I'm talking about, expected goals, and it's not going in one year, out the other. So, But a 15-minute read to get through all that stuff. But... That'll do it for us today. The Wild have Seattle at home tomorrow. Anaheim and L.A. out west before we're back here next Thursday night. So Friday morning podcast for everyone um, with the Wednesday night game. So until then, this has been another episode of Sound the Fox.